As we turn to God's Word this morning, let's uh, turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and we're going to read just a small portion of uh, this story today. And again, encourage you uh, to dig into this uh, on your own and just allow the Spirit to speak and lead you through uh, what Jesus has done for us here. But John chapter 20, we'll start in verse 1, just the incredible story of what Jesus did. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around And saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. Jesus is alive. He was crucified, he died, he was put in a tomb, buried, sealed, and he rose to life again. Jesus is alive. He overcame sin and death and we are free. Amen. This is an incredible day. Easter Sunday, the day we celebrate the resurrection, God himself humbling himself, sacrificing himself for us, paying the debt we could never pay, crossing the divide that separated us from him, showing us what love truly looks like, laying down his life 
for his friends and rising up again to change history forever. It's amazing. It's overwhelming. It's exciting. It's a celebration. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Over the last number of months, we've been talking about the gospel, exploring the book of John and the stories of Jesus, trying to understand what the gospel really looks like, what it means, what it does, how our lives are meant to look as we follow Jesus and live in this truth, in this reality of the gospel. Because the gospel is huge. It's a big deal. It's, it's, it's a powerful thing. And it really matters. And what we believe about it, how we understand it, actually matters. Because it will impact the way that we live. The way that we understand Jesus, our relationship with God. We need to see the gospel, to see Jesus clearly. Because he wants us to understand the new and abundant life that he has in store for us if we believe. Do you believe? Our theme for this whole year has been yesterday, today, and forever. And today we celebrate the reason why. We've been wanting to understand how our God is the same from the beginning of creation all through the Old Testament, through the early church, and today His nature is the same. His love is the same. His justice and holiness are the same. His power is the same. And His plan is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He created you. He loves you. And He wants to share Himself with you. From eternity, God has existed in perfect relationship. He is relationship. Three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit existing in perfect love in unity. Connecting together. And it's out of this great love that he chose to create, to create this, all of this, to create us, to share his love, his nature, his presence with us. He didn't need us. He is complete in himself, but he created us so that we could be with him. To know His love. To glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. That is our purpose. That's what we were created for. That's what He wants for us. To glorify Him just by being. By reflecting who He is. And to enjoy Him just because He is good. What a gift. What a promise. What a life. And it's such a different picture than the world 
paints for us of what this life is supposed to look like. It's different even than we often paint. Even sometimes inside the church, life filled with fear and jealousy, hurt and pain, competition and selfishness. And even if we believe in God and we try to follow Him, so often we paint this picture of this angry, distant God. A God that we must serve and punish ourselves to earn His approval. It's not what was supposed to be. It's not what He created us to be. It's not what He wants. And that's what we've been looking at all through the fall. We looked at the stories of the Old Testament of these great people of faith who walked with God. And we wanted to see how God was revealing Himself to them. Who He was showing Himself to be. What He is like. What He cares about. What He wants for us. In Adam we saw God's incredible creative spirit. His love and His care. And even in Adam and Eve's sin, we saw God's mercy. As He called forward to this one who from that very beginning God had planned to come save us, to fix things, to make it right. In Noah, we saw God's incredible justice, His holiness, His power, that He is in control. He will not be defied, but that He also is a God who redeems and restores, rebuilding life, saving us. In Abraham, we saw the power of God's promises, that He is faithful to His Word. Even years and decades later, that He will do what He has said, even if we don't see it all ourselves. In Moses, we saw God's power to lead us as He provided for the Israelites. Called them His Chosen children, cared for them, protected them, gave them the law that they might walk with Him. God continued His journey with them, pointing forward again to this one who would come and fulfill the law. In David, we saw the coming King, God building His people into a nation to be a light to the world. And in his son Solomon building the temple, the place of God's presence on earth, the place he gave his children to connect with him, to worship, to find forgiveness. But still not complete. Still separate, the curtain dividing. Still not enough, never enough, because no amount of earthly sacrifices, no amount of priests and temples could cover our sin and make us whole again. It was, it was all just preparation. Setting the stage. All their songs and their poems and their ceremonies and sacrifices all pointing to this one. The Savior, the Messiah. Pointing forward, anticipating, hoping, waiting. For years, 
They waited decades, centuries. They waited. And God promised them over and over again through the prophets, in the wilderness, through exile, through victory and defeat in Babylon and under Persia and Rome. God promised them that He was with them. That He had not forgotten them. That there was a plan that He would rescue them. That He would save them. That He would restore everything. And then, for 400 years, He was silent. No prophets. No writings. And many gave up. Many forgot. But some still waited faithfully, patiently, until suddenly word came to Zechariah when he was serving at the temple, when he went through that curtain into the Holy of Holies. God spoke. He told him that he would have a son that was going to prepare the way for this one, that he was finally coming. And he did. It happened. God became human. The Word became flesh. The light came into the world and God revealed Himself to us. Colossians chapter 1, He is, Jesus is, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. That is is who Jesus is. That is what He is. He is God, Creator, Lord, the King of kings who will reign forever and He came to live with us. Born as a baby, He grew up with us, He walked with us, He talked with us, He ate with us. And He spoke of His Father to us. He taught us. And He showed us incredible things, signs and wonders and miracles. And the people began to wonder, could this be the one? Could this be who God was talking about? Could He be the Messiah, the Savior? But there was a problem. And it's the problem we've had since the beginning. The problem that plagues us right from the garden. The problem that came when we tried to take God's place. When we rejected Him and put ourselves in His place. When we sinned and took control for ourselves, we stopped caring what God wants. We don't care what God wants. We don't care who Jesus really is because we only care 
that he is what we want him to be. We don't want God to tell us what to do, what we need. We want to tell him how to act. We want to tell him how the world should look. We want to tell him how he should work. Jesus came to save us, to fulfill the promise that God had made, but the people didn't see. They didn't see what he was because they only saw what they wanted. The people wanted Jesus to be their king. They spread their cloaks and they waved their branches thinking they were coronating a king. Come to overthrow the Romans. The Pharisees wanted Jesus to, to be like them. The revolutionaries, the zealots, they wanted Jesus to defeat their enemies. The Romans just wanted Jesus to fall in line. Maybe go away. And no one was interested in who Jesus really was. They couldn't see what they really needed. For thousands of years, God had been showing them, telling them through the laws and the sacrifices and the feasts and the prophets. He tried to help us see. He tried to invite us back to submit, to bow, to let Him be God, to just obey to trust Him, to follow, to listen. And we don't. But we can't save ourselves. We can't fix this. No matter how hard we try, we can't undo what we've done. Our best efforts, our most sincere offerings will fail because we were never created to be God. We were created to love God, to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Jesus tried to help us see. He tried to help us understand what we were created for, what our lives were supposed to look like. He was fully God, but He was also fully human. And His life is what ours is supposed to look like. Completely submitted to His Father. Completely connected to the Spirit. I only do what my Father does, He said. I only say what my Father gives me to say. That is what we were meant for. The way He saw people, the way He loved them, the way He treated them, the things that He cared about, that's what we were made for, what God desires for us. And what He still wants for you today. Because Jesus didn't just come to be an example, a good teacher, a role model. He came to pay the price that we could never pay. For our disobedience. He came to bridge the divide that we could never cross. To bring us back to our Father. He came to trade His life for our own. And when He died on that cross, He took our place. His blood covered our sin. And when He said, it is finished, He meant it. 
But death was not the end. We serve a God far too powerful for that. The wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And Jesus rose again. The power of God revealed. And all of heaven stands in awe of the power of Jesus. He rose from the grave, proving once and for all time that He is God. And He was there. In that garden, three days later, she saw him. Can you imagine what she went through? Mary watches her Lord die. The one who was going to change everything, who was leading them into this new and amazing kingdom. It was growing. More and more people were getting on board. It was getting excited. They didn't know. They didn't understand. And they followed him. And even as they beat him, tried him, mocked him, even as they nailed him to the cross, she must have thought, he's going to stop it. He's going to show them all. This can't be happening. He must have a plan. And then, he died. I can't imagine the despair that Mary must have felt in that moment. Over those next days of his disciples, their confusion. This was not the plan. This could not be what was supposed to happen. He was dead. And his body was taken down off the cross and they put him in a tomb and they sealed it up and it was over. Done. What did the last three years even mean? So Mary goes back to the tomb in the dark, grieving, mourning. And she's going to walk through the burial traditions that they had. And when she arrives, somehow it's even worse. The tomb is open and the body has been stolen. She runs to Peter and she tells them what has happened. And they run to the tomb to see for themselves. And they don't understand either. They go back to their brothers, scared and confused. Mary just stands there crying. Somehow it's gotten even worse. And she looks in the tomb again, unable to believe that he is gone. And something is in there. There are two angels there. What is happening? And they ask her why she's crying. They've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they've put him. This she turns around and she saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And 
in that moment, it all comes rushing in and she sees and understands that it is Jesus and somehow he is alive. He's here again with her and she knows a joy beyond anything we can imagine. Jesus is alive and he wants to be with us. And the only thing that matters is being with him. The story goes on in so many important ways. Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit and he establishes his church and Paul is transformed and he and the other disciples plant churches all around the world and the gospel is preached and the letters of the New Testament are written and prophecy is given and the kingdom grows and we sit here in that glorious tradition because of their faithfulness and there's incredible eternal cosmic realities, enormous truths and spiritual reality and at the same time the only thing that matters is Mary's reaction in the garden. She didn't see or know all the rest of what was going to come in the days and weeks and centuries and millennia to come and it didn't matter. All she saw was Jesus. All she wanted was standing there right before her. Everything she needed was there. Jesus is alive. He has conquered sin and death and he gives us life, abundant life, everlasting life with him forever. And Jesus is looking at you. Just like he looked at her and he is calling your name. Inviting you to walk with him. To talk with him. To live with him. To be with him. Because it's finished. It's over. He won. Your sins are forgiven. Your debt is paid. Your shame and your guilt and your hurt and your pain can be wiped away forever and ever by His power, in His name, by His glory. You can be free and whole and new with Him. Today is Easter Sunday, the day we celebrate the resurrection and the love that Jesus has for you. Do you believe? Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for sending your son. Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to come and die for us. And we thank you that you rose again. That you have conquered sin and death. That we need fear nothing. We thank you that you loved us so much. That this is how far you would go to invite us back. That we can experience relationship with you. Jesus, you are calling each of our names. You stand beside that tomb just like with Mary. And you invite us to know you.
to walk with you, to be with you. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to trust you, to follow, to submit, to allow you to heal us, to show us what life is meant to be. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.